When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think they're executing. I think the plans that they have is very good. Mackey and Judd. He's still got a long way to go, but it's great. On 1500 ESPN. Rolling near side. Keenan firing. He's got a touchdown. Diggs. McKinnon, fake to him. Keenan, going to dump it off. It's a touchdown to the backup tight end, Morgan. You just found a great little nugget that is causing some drama at yes. Winter Park. Yeah, uh, um, th- this was in uh, the Sunday Pioneer Press. A shooter had this, actually, as the lead to his column. There is some controversy at Winter Park because uh, the Carolina Panthers are on a bye this coming weekend. And so Greg Olson, their tight end, who's hurt right now, but is also very good when it comes to um, television type of assignments, is taking the opportunity to work the Vikings-Rams game as of now for Fox. It's going to be Burkhart, Davis, and then Olsen's going to join them in the booth. Well, here's the problem. Greg Olson is going to come back. Uh, I believe he's due back in a couple weeks to play for the Panthers. And then he's fully expected to play on December 10th against the Vikings. And he's still an active member of the Panthers. And so the Vikings have lodged a complaint with, I believe, the league and Fox to say... Okay, oh, for sure. The Vikings okay. are 100% in the, the right on this. The proper preparation for these announcers is to what? They come, they get to go to practices. They get to sit down uh, the night before and talk to coaches. Yeah. They get all types of access. So, yes. So, the Vikings, rightfully so, said, that's a bunch of BS. Yeah, and even just to, like... If you're if you're if let's say you're Greg Olson and you're the you're the third guy in the broadcast booth for this, right? He's preparing for his post NFL career. He's been around for a long time. Absolutely. And if they let's say they draw a line and say, All right, Vikings, you guys are hundred percent right. To have an active player that's about to play you in like three weeks from now or four weeks from now mm-hmm. in the meeting rooms, that just doesn't seem fair. And of course the Vikings could always withhold information or in which case it would it would hurt the other two guys who are used to getting more information for the broadcast purposes, and they filter some things. They don't say everything that they've been told. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Greg Olson can't be allowed in those rooms. Yep. Well, but Greg Olson's going to be spending the entire weekend with the guys who are in those rooms, yes. and they're going to get information, and they're going to pass it along out to dinner or whatever. Yes. Now, could Greg Olson pick up the phone if he wanted to, having not been a member of the Fox broadcast crew, and call Kevin Burkhart or... Joe Buck or whoever he wants and say, hey, what are you hearing about the Vikings over here? I'm sure he could do that. But I think the Vikings have an absolute gripe. Why would you ever allow an opposing player on your schedule two or three weeks from from now down the road inside your meeting rooms to gather information about a side gig that he's just planning ahead for for his for his next career? Here's my question. So that's, that's a legit gripe. 
here's my question: If you are, if you are the league in Fox, and and I get that if every, you know, it's it's rare, but there are circumstances where players who, who are on by have d- done this before. Why wouldn't you look at the schedules and be like, okay, if if we're going to put him as the third man, so he's not the second guy, third guy in a booth, wouldn't you look and say, okay, who does this team play in like the last five weeks? Yeah, like you it like makes no that, sense that they looked and said, I oh, they play the Vikings, that won't be a big deal. Mike Zimmer would love to tell a member of the Carolina Panthers who he plays in approximately a month or less than a month. He'd love to tell this guy everything the Vikings are going to do. Well, I know this might be shocking to some on the outside, but communication industry businesses aren't always the best at communication. It. So I would change his game. That's what I would have done. I would have made this very, very simple. I'd yeah. say, you know what, Rick Spielman, you got a good point. Greg, we're going to put you on, take your take Whatever. your pick of another a game, with an, game with an AFC team yeah, in it or exactly. something. Uh, so I, I have a question for you. The Packers beat the Bears 23-16 to move to 5-4 and four on the season. Uh, they've now gone, let's see, counting the game in which Aaron Rodgers was bounced in the first half against the Vikings, uh, they're now 1-3 in those games. So it's, it hasn't gone particularly well for Mike McCarthy and Brett Hundley, but things were better. Hundley wasn't a disaster against the Bears, and the Bears are very beatable, so not too shocking they won that game. Mm-hmm. Here are the next four games for the Green Bay Packers, who are two games back of the Vikings, all right? All right. At Baltimore, or I'm sorry, home against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. At Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. home against Tampa, and then at Cleveland. So let's say they lose their next two home against Baltimore and then at Pittsburgh. Those are going to be really tough games. But then home against a checked-out Tampa Bay team that doesn't do well historically in 40 years after December 1st. They're going to be playing at Lambeau Field. Mm-hmm. And then at Cleveland, let's say the Packers go 2-2 two and two in those games to get to 7-6 and six on the season, heading into Week 15, December 17th. Here are the next four games on the Vikings schedule. Home against the Rams, maybe the best team in the NFC. Really tough task there for the Vikings. At Detroit, short week, Thanksgiving game. You've already lost one to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And then at Atlanta, mm-hmm. at Carolina. Yeah, you're on a three-game road trip right there. Yep. Like, what if the Vikings go <laughs> one and three in those games? And which is feasible, like they could go one and three in those games and drop to yeah. eight and five on the season. One game ahead of the Packers, middle of December, Aaron Rodgers comes back. Does it make you nervous at all that the Packers just beat the Bears and have the Browns and the Buccaneers upcoming on their schedule and Rodgers might Not be yet. tuning up the band? Not yet. I mean, here's why it doesn't. It doesn't make me nervous yet because Chicago is so checked out and Chicago is so. Are they? Chicago's pretty checked out. Chicago is pretty checked. They're out. very beatable, and and Cleveland is too. But my point is this: the Packers still have to ride Brett Hundley to get to the point of where you're talking about. But they just and need to beat. I, they just need to beat the Browns and I, the Bucks. I understand that. I get that. But what I'm but you're asking, does it make me nervous? And I'm telling you, it doesn't yet. If they get to seven and six, it doesn't make the, me nervous yet. And the Vikings trip up a little bit here in these next four games. This is a really tough four game. This is the toughest four-game stretch of the Vikings schedule by far, by a mile. It's the Rams at home and then three road games against either borderline or playoff teams. If it gets to be 8-5 and five record for the Vikings leading division in 7-6, and six, Rodgers is coming back. If he's physically capable, I was going to say he's, he's coming he's, back. Yeah, but he's got to be... They're not 2-7. and seven. Nobody's They're 5-4. Nobody's got, he's got to be cleared at that point. 
Oh, it's they'll a find bro- a way. It's a broken <laughs> collarbone in his throwing shoulder. Don't forget, the last time we went through this exact scenario, it was a broken collarbone in his non-throwing shoulder. This is a big difference. You are talking, so you're talking about bringing a guy back on a lark that he might be able to get you to the playoffs when you are, for instance, seven and six. Your team is still very questionable. I just, I don't know that I see a scenario under which they they completely sell out to bring him in back. I don't. If it was the non-throwing shoulder, I would go along with what you're saying. Absolutely. It's the throwing shoulder. Do you really take that chance? Dave, if there's I, any question whatsoever. Am I out of my mind in looking at this? That that win against the Bears for the Packers kind of opens up a little bit of a scenario here. Go, Pat, go! Steve, Why? how you doing? Hey, Steve. Or, hey, Bill. I'm, I'm <laughs> You're Steve. On the way. I, there you go. I am Steve. <laughs> That guy may have had a few. Phil, I don't think you have at all. You're absolutely not out of line. And absolutely the Packers and Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson, who want anything to save their jobs right now when they could be in jeopardy, want Aaron Rodgers to come back if they're 7-6 and six and could be 10-6 and six getting into the playoffs. Are you kidding me, Judd? For, for Judd to write off, are, if they're 7-6 and, six not, and there's I'm a not half. Write, I'm not writing it off. What I'm doing is I am. I have to be the one who stops you two from trolling poor Vikings fans. We're not trolling. We're just it was planning. The ba- it's it was, planning. It was the Bears. I got to see more. It's it's Brett Hundley and and see where I disagree. Dave is McCarthy's job might be in jeopardy. Might be Ted Thompson's not. Well, regardless, if Ted, see if Ted Thompson if Ted Thompson was held accountable, but he really can't be because six million bleeping people own a piece of paper. Um, if Ted Thompson could be held accountable, I would think Phil's scenario more likely. But Ted Thompson is best to protect his to cover his butt for the long term as well, and that's to make sure that Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt again this year. Well, I got a scoop for you. You know, I was in uh, La Crosse uh, area, Wisconsin. I was in Bangor, Wisconsin. Yeah. And I talked to a Packers owner on Saturday night Ooh. who's strongly considering making a move at GM. Oh, my. Yeah, my uncle. Oh, really? He's a Packers owner. He's strongly considering well, making a he's move. He's that there. upset, huh? Yeah. And he's got a piece of paper. And he's got and he's got a certificate. It's a Packers owner. Was he w- waving the certificate around? <laughs> I've got my Thompsons are gone. Or I got my certificate. Do you call your uncle an idiot to his face like you do to you know all the listeners no. around here that might no, own stock? Does he know? Do, lo- does he know how you feel about him? That you do think he's a moron? I don't has, think has he's he a moron. A star after anyone? I, I don't think he's a moron. I just don't think owning a piece of paper. Saying you own the Packers is... Oh, you think he's an idiot. Okay. Come on. I, I <laughs> yeah, Dave's right. Cheese eating beer swelling moron. <laughs> That's true. Well, let's talk to Marcus... Marcus Fuller. <laughs> Sorry, I just... Myron uh, Medcalf. Myron Medcalf. That was a problem. That was a problem when when uh, those guys would get confused uh, five years ago, and I just did it. But Myron Medcalf is going to join the show when we come back to talk gopher basketball. Okay. you got to be in the know to know, you know? you got to be in the know to know, you know? That's why you're listening to Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Murphy counted at a foul. He knows. They got him outside where he could dribble drive. A tough matchup for the bigs. This kid... Explosive with some strength. That was a great win. I mean, we we just showed great poise and toughness at the end. Uh, Jordan Murphy was ridiculous. Um, Nate Mason just showed great heart. Amir Coffey made some big plays. Uh, I, I challenged our guys to come together. If you want to get a tough road win, you got to come together, and they did. He's got good touch. You know, he's really worked very hard to develop that. Um, you know, and it, it's just been hours upon hours in the gym. 
and he's got that little spin move uh, touch off the glass. He's kind of that hybrid forward, like you said. I mean, he's he's put in the time, and he's reaping the rewards of him, so I'm proud of him. All right, Mackie and Judd, go for basketball. That's a, that's a nice win to hang on your resume. The NCAA selection committee, they love road wins against good teams mm-hmm. or uh, non-home wins against good teams, and that's what the Gophers did last night. Providence has been to the NCAA tournament several years in a row. They finish above 500 in the Big East on a regular basis. And Myron Medcalf covers college basketball, ESPN.com, friend of 1500 ESPN. Um, what do you think about this new collection of talent here that Richard Pitino has put together the last couple of years? You know, I, I think they're playing with, with the confidence that we saw after that losing streak, and they kind of regained their footing in the Big Ten season uh, and turned themselves into a tournament team. I think you're seeing the impact of that because they're coming into this year with momentum. They don't look, you know, rattled. They don't they don't look shaky. They look really confident, and I think that's the biggest factor. I mean, to me, the way Jordan Murphy is playing right now, he's not playing like a guy who just wants to be the best guy on this roster, he's playing like an all-Big Ten kind of guy, and you need those players uh, to compete for a Big Ten championship and to make it to the second weekend and beyond in the NCAA tournament. So for me, the poise and confidence of this team uh, is the biggest factor. They just look like they know they belong with the best, uh, and you have to have that attitude going into a season like this. And Jordan, uh, Jordan, his uh, story is a good one because he came here a couple years back and looked really good that first year. Started last year really slow, uh, struggled about halfway through the Big Ten, got hot. But these last two games, he's looked fantastic. I think he's bigger, stronger, confident, and and I mean he ba- he basically has gone now from from looking like a pretty good prospect to a guy that could definitely play pro. You know, Judd, I think you make a great point about, like, the physical element. Uh, His body didn't look like this last year. Uh, And I think with that, when you have a guy who's put on some good muscle and really made the most of an offseason, you can just see how, you know, effortless he's been in those first couple of games. Jordan Murphy is a guy who, yeah, NBA scout said, look, this guy has a chance. Richard Pitino knows that. Uh, Jordan knows that. But like you said, it's one thing to be a guy who's just in that vast pool of potential NBA candidates. It's another to come out and play in games like this. Listen, you beat a Providence on the road, an NCAA tournament team on the road in one of the craziest buildings in college basketball, uh, that is a major win, especially with the committee putting more of an emphasis on road wins uh, as uh, March approaches. So I think Jordan Murphy, the confidence, the physicality, and the idea that he's playing like a dude that's like, look, I'm going to save you the trouble, NBA execs. I'm an NBA guy, and I'm going to prove it to you for the rest of the season. Uh, this Isaiah Washington man, he, he there was a little rust there, just a little maybe maybe first time in uh, in major college basketball jitters in their game against SC Upstate. But you mentioned the environment against Providence, and he looks calm. He has great handles, makes shots, he distributes, he's confident. He doesn't look like a freshman when you just watch him play, and yet there he is. He's going to be a huge part to this team uh, for the entire season. What do you what do you think of Isaiah Washington? Yeah, I mean, in that first game, it looked like he was going to shoot until he made something. And he realized he wasn't going to make anything, uh, so eventually he quit. I mean, that, that was a that was a freshman outing, that first game, going, I think, one for seven from the three-point line. But I, I think the potential is there. You watch him in the offseason and, and all the hype uh, associated with him and all the other schools that wanted him. He's obviously uh, a legit talent. What I think I love about the position he's in is you want to be a new guy with a confident group that has established players, and he has that. So, you know, Isaiah doesn't have to be great 
right now in order for Minnesota to beat a good team like Providence. As he continues to evolve, I think he'll shake some of those jitters. And for him to go to a place like Providence and, and you know, four for six, four for seven overall, and uh, to, to give them some really, really good minutes, this is a depth that this team hasn't had. Not just Richard, Richard Bettino, this program hasn't had this depth. So when you're able to go to guys off the bench, when you're able to rely on rotation, eight, nine, ten deep, mm-hmm. that's how you beat teams in March. That's how you last against the big dogs because you're going to need that to win at the highest level. What, what's your thought on on the fact that my what I, I would like to see for this this team and program is very simple. I would like to see this to be the start of a successful run. I mean, we, we've had stops and starts here. Go for football, we have never really seen be successful. And so I get the fact that that is a, a battle you have to fight. Go for basketball, we've seen success, though. So do you think there, that there's any reason why this can't be the start of a sustained run of being a very competitive team for a, for a long time, potentially, Myron? I think the foundation is there, Judd. I mean, this is this last year. I think was a great start. Uh, this year, you've got more experience, a good recruiting class, great recruits coming in next year. So, I definitely think all of the pieces are there to to build that. I think it's never been harder in college basketball to sustain uh, momentum, just given the one and done pool, and uh, you know how many teams are getting sort of these stacked recruiting classes. But certainly, if you can retain these players. Uh, and let guys like, you know, the Amir Coffees continue to grow and, and build up, certainly you can go on a run. The challenge you're going to have, though, if you're Richard Bettino, is a good challenge in that you want Amir Coffee to play his way into the NBA, but you also don't, don't want to lose him after this year. So now it's like you get some of these young guys who are really talented. You hope they're really good, but they stay for three or four years. But I think all of the potential is there for Minnesota to do something that we haven't seen them do and put together a run over three or four years. Now, we did see uh, Myron Medcalf. I think it was Seth Davis on Twitter last night put the Gophers in Final Four caliber in the same sentence. It's so early to be able to tell. But you could see, like, with the if everyone stays healthy, that this team could give other top teams some problems. Um, what do you think is a realistic expectation and upside for this team, assuming health is intact? Yeah, the Final Four, it's just such a toss-up. Like, Kevin Durant in Texas didn't make it past the second round. Yeah. Right? John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins didn't make the Final Four. But somehow VCU did. Right? Somehow George Mason made it. I just think people talk about the Final Four. It's matchups. It's so many factors involved there. What I think you can say about this team is they look like a second weekend team. My theory has always been if you can get to the Sweet 16, if you get favorable matchups from there and you have the right personnel and depth, you have a shot to go to the Final Four. But if you're a legit national championship contending team, you get to the Sweet 16. So I think this is a Minnesota team that has to prove that it's in that pool. Uh, obviously, the pieces are there with everyone coming back from last year's team. I think they can become a second weekend team from there. It's going to be a matter of you know who they end up facing, uh, you know how deep they are, how healthy they are, factors like that. But I think right now it's safe to assume and to expect that this is a team that is not blown out in the first game of the NCAA tournament, that they get to that second weekend and have a shot to do something special. How does uh, Reggie Lynch, Myron, how does he get his game to a point where where he could still be effective and bang inside but stay on, on the court? Because to me, it's going to be when, when the conference season hits, if you can have Lynch and Murphy out there, they're going to be tough. I mean, that's going to be a really good team. 
But we saw it last year, and we saw it last night, and, and it's almost like because he's he's now known as a guy who who uh, fouls a lot by officials that he's got that uh, that thought process behind him. How do we get to a point where where he can play a smart enough game to block some shots but remain on the floor? You know, I, I was in New York for Big Ten Media Day, and I talked to Richard Pitino about that at length. You know, and, and he brought up just the idea of their. They're doing their best to teach him, you know, to attack the ball, not put his body into it the way he has been. I mean, obviously officials are looking at him and looking for that contact. I, I really think you almost have to go old school. Like, you look at what Bill Russell did uh, and how he blocked shots and some of those old school guys. It wasn't the body. I mean, they they were going after the ball. There wasn't a lot of contact. And I think being more of a pure shot blocker is what he has to be. But Get Reggie Lynch an award, I think, for these first two games, having four personal fouls combined in two games and eight blocks. I mean, he's doing, I think, what he has to do. He's got to be available, uh, you know, in those clutch situations, especially with Curry being out. And I think if he plays this way, as a guy who's attacking the ball and blocking shots, altering shots, and not drawing these fouls, he's going to be an important factor down the stretch. But you make a good point. How does this change in Big Ten play against Purdue, against Michigan State, against Ethan Happen, Wisconsin? He has to sustain this mentality over the course of the season and just be smarter. And at the end of the day, he's got to be a smarter player uh, because this team needs him down the stretch. Uh, you know, the, the Gophers haven't had an NBA player in like a decade and a half. I believe Chris Humphreys was the last player to get drafted and also play in the NBA because Vince Greer was in a training camp and never quite made it to the Heat. Is it pretty safe to say somewhere on this roster, Amir Coffey, whoever it may be, Jordan Murphy, that they do have an NBA player lurking on the roster at this point? Yeah, I think they have a shot. I mean, I've talked to scouts about both guys. I mean, they're in the mix. They have a shot. They're not in that category of no matter what happens, you know, they're an NBA player. But I think they definitely have that potential. Amir Coffey obviously having the NBA pedigree, changing his body. I think Coffey has that potential given how young he is. You look at him and go, imagine that guy just playing ball, working out, you know, for the next couple of years with an NBA franchise. Imagine what he can become. Jordan Murphy just looks like one of those dudes who – is going to find a way to help an NBA roster no matter where he ends up. If he ends up in a training camp, if he ends up in a G League, he's just going to contribute. And I think that's going to be his best factor. But I think an NBA guy will come off of this roster at some point. Uh, You just wonder if it's going to be this year or next year. If they keep playing this way, they might lose a couple guys after this year, which, again, that's a good problem to have if you're Richard Bettino. You want to be able to tell future recruits, look, we send guys to the NBA because that's the only way to get those guys in that class. Yeah. That's Meyer Medcalf from ESPN, ESPN.com. Good stuff, man. Hey, Thanks, when, when can people find your radio show, your weekly radio show? Uh, well, it'll start up in January, Saturday afternoons uh, on ESPN Radio. Other than that, Metcalf at ESPN on Twitter. I'm around. I'm out there. For sure. Yeah, people should uh, should follow for sure. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it, Myron. All right, see you all. Thanks. All right, talk all right, to you. Myron bye. Medcalf. He fills in on this station once in a while, too. Good stuff. He's very good, very good, and it's. But he, he's right. I mean, the Lynch, the Lynch thing to me is going to become a huge story again because if Reggie Lynch and Jordan Murphy are on the floor together consistently in the Big Ten season, this team's going to be extremely tough. And, and with Curry gone, if Lynch is not on the floor, it's going to become oh wow, the Gophers just lost a ten point lead. Yeah, Kanate gets a little spazzy out there. Well, Devontae Fitzgerald hasn't played in three years. And like he said, you're playing Purdue, teams like that. I mean, that's going to be tough. Yeah.
So, Dave, what kind of questions are you going to throw at us next? I've got a Vikings-related pie chart specific to something Case Keenum's done very, very well. And I will have a very Mackey-centric uh, question as well. Cool. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I tune in to hear the hysteria <laughs> and the insanity. Mackey and Judd. Now we need to work on that. On 1500 ESPN. And questions today is sponsored by ShopVac. Got a big mess that needs to be cleaned up? Hurry down to Lowe's to pick up your ShopVac brand wet-dry vacuum with new advanced motor technology starting at just $79. <laughs> Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. The, the production quality on this radio show is top notch. Top notch. Must say. Not going to oh. argue with you. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Well, there's Judd being a jerk again. No, no, it's fantastic. I said it was fantastic. I got a text. It's elite. A text from a radio host in a in a different state who's a Nebraska Cornhuskers fan that was listening to us yesterday who said, bravo on the Husker vent line. I'm a Husker fan, but bravo on that. That was genius. So that's all we do. We just we create genius bits. I'm glad someone liked it. Great thought by you out of uh, extan- expanding the bit, Phil. Well done on that. Well, I'm not sure that the vent line concept was my idea originally. Well, I think the expansion of it. That's what know, I'm saying. Bringing the Husker vent line to uh, to the to the masses. Well, can we get What's to questions next one? before you guys? Should we do Ni- Niagara? Of patting yourselves on the back. How about Niagara vent line after the Gophers destroy the small school? Is it tomorrow they play Niagara? Yes. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Now we should find. We should keep expanding. Let's expand quickly. Hey, work for McDonald's back in the fifties. I'm sure Niagara Vent Line is readily available. <laughs> now on Mackie and John. You wanted better charts that you could see the fine print on. The pie chart of praise. You should be singing his praises. All right, pie chart this one for me, boys. Five sacks of Case Keenum in seven and a half games that he has been under center. Offensive line, Case himself, running backs helping out, wide receivers getting open early, scheme from uh, Pat Shermer. Figure that one out, and once you're done with that, tell me, would that number of five sacks be the same, do you think it would be anyway, if Teddy were the quarterback? Or does Case have a lot to do with it? Ooh, I like this pie chart. So um, I'm gonna keep That's I'm gonna right. keep with the theme of equal slices of pie here. Okay, I'm gonna equally distribute. While Judd spends the next half hour drawing up eight <laughs> no, different chunks of pie. I'm just gonna do the, I'm gonna do the pie chart correctly. Knives. I'm gonna do it correctly. You go ahead. He's got his TI-85 <laughs> out right now drawing graphs. <laughs> that happens, um, and then you carry the one. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give, I have five pieces of pie here. Okay, uh, piece of pie number one is Rick Spielman for. Doing what needed to be done, looking at a crappy collection of players and also a scheme that just wasn't working anymore and saying, all right, let's not let's not continue on with this charade. Let's change everything up. Let's now that Peterson's gone, we can do whatever we want here. Let's bring in the guys we want. Let's run. Let's run the offensive and offensive line scheme we want. So bravo on Rick Spielman for not doubling down on like TJ Clemmings. Uh, which actually, I'm going to give a slice of pie to T.J. Clemmings, number two slice of pie. Wait, <laughs> for showing the world just how bad it can get if you stick with a mistake and continue to push forward. If he wasn't so bad last year, 
They wouldn't have revamped the offensive line in the offseason. It wouldn't have caused them to go into free agency and spend millions of dollars on Remmers and Riley Reeve. Sometimes you need your biggest mistakes to shine the brightest in order to change course. Uh, I would give a chunk of pie to the actual offensive linemen that are playing on a, on a weekly basis because they're the ones blocking. And um, I think the other two pieces of pie have to be equally divvied up between the coaching staff, whether it's Sperano, Shermer, Mike Zimmer, schematically, everything that goes into uh, the X's and O's. And then I'm giving a chunk of pie to Case Keenum for his ability to properly read things at the line of scrimmage. If you watch Case, he he's probably t- among quarterbacks in the league, top eight to ten, and just being able to comfortably move around behind the line of scrimmage, get away from pressure that might be coming, and still step up and make a throw. Now, sometimes the throws can be errant, and who knows what can happen when he throws it. Sometimes they're spot on, forty yards down the field, but he does a really good job of feeling pressure. So those are uh, those are my chunks of pie for the pie chart of praise, and I would say Bridgewater. As talented as he might be, I think he takes more than five sacks because he tended to hold onto the ball a little too long. Different scheme, you know, different offensive line. I don't think he would be quite as comfortable moving around, avoiding pressure as a Case Keenan. But he still wouldn't have been sacked nearly as often as he was the last season he played. You good? Uh, yeah. In fact, I've got my pie <laughs> di- divvied up. I've got I carried the two point two point five. Okay. Yeah. This works perfect. All right. So uh, 75% of my uh, pie goes to the offensive line, which has played brilliantly. Riley Reef has been unbelievable uh, compared to expectations. We thought he'd be good. He's been great at left tackle. Right tackle's been solid. The offensive line's played fantastic. 75% goes to them. 20% goes to Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer's offense, which was originally designed for Bradford and has uh, been morphed and carried over and probably tweaked a little bit for Case, but... This offense allows the quarterback uh, to throw while rolling out, allows him to get rid of the ball quickly. 20% goes to the offensive schematics of the whole thing. Uh, 2.5% of the pie. <laughs> 2.5%. 2.5% of the pie goes to the running backs who aren't named Adrian Peterson, who are who managed to, what's that? Block? That's Pick a up point. a block? Yeah. Oh my God, somebody, Jared McKinnon knows how to block? Yes, that's right. If your offensive lineman gets beaten, you can either block the guy yourself if you're a running back or at least chip block. That leaves 2.5% remaining of the piece of pie, and I'm going to give that to Case. Uh, but the answer to your question is, if Bridgewater, if he was fully mobile, he he would have been sacked about five times as well. Because if you consider how this offense is being run and the schematics of this offense, it sets up very well if the offensive line is playing well, which they are, to avoid sacks. So I'm not giving him a ton of credit. I'm giving him some credit. Let's do this then. Go for hoops, 2-0 before the season. It was Nate Mason, Amir Coffey being named to the preseason All-Big Ten team. You guys have been raving about Jordan Murphy now through uh, two games. He's been an absolute beast. I've seen lists. I know ESPN has one right now of the top 50 players in college basketball today. I've seen him from a couple other spots too, SI, maybe one or two others. And I haven't seen any Gophers on any of those lists. How long is it going to take before a gopher should be on that list, or are we already being snubbed? Uh, in my opinion, Mur- Murphy's being snubbed right now, and uh, if there is a midseason list that comes out, which I'm sure there are some of those, Murphy will be on that list for sure. Nate Mason could make it as well. Um, I'm, I'm a big Lynch fan. 
He's got, I mean, he gets into foul trouble. I get that. But Jordan Murphy, these these first two games, absolute beast, as you said, Dave. And the thing with him is that first game, I'm like, okay, he, he was a beast, but that's a smaller, that's upstate. a smaller upstate team. I mean, that's a really good game, but come on. He went into Providence and he dominated. And he is physically bigger. He will be he will be on a top fifty list this year. And I think that there is a very good chance that he will be the the first guy to begin to draw NBA interest within this year. He's that good. I think there's three possibilities here. When I think top fifty players in college basketball, that to me rings uh, NBA caliber. You're you're an M- that's like an NBA caliber list. Absolutely. You may not get drafted. It kind of depends on international players coming in and uh, and you know. But I I would say the three guys who could make a list like that. Nate Mason probably Nate Mason's really steady and solid. I don't know if he's explosive enough to make that list. But I would say Isaiah Washington, Jordan Murphy, and Amir Coffey. And the way that I would have ranked those guys differently before the season, the way that Jordan Murphy has started the year, he has to be number one, most likely. Mm-hmm. And then Amir Coffey, number two, based on size, wingspan. There, there's a little Tayshaun Prince there when you watch the game of Amir Coffey. Just... That athletic can jump out, can make shots from the wing, uh, can get in there defensively, and then Isaiah Washington third. But yeah, if I don't know how often this is gonna, if this is gonna continue for Jordan Murphy, but he's reached a new level for sure. I think it might. I wouldn't have thought NBA necessarily before seeing these two games, but right. now it's like whoa! Yep, a spin cycle move in the paint, block some shots, rebounds. It's been fun to watch. Got a call last hour from a guy named Mike about Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater. And, Phil, you let him have it a little bit. Uh, you didn't appreciate the knowledge or the opinion that he brought to the table. We got this email then a little while ago from Jeff. Good Lord, Mackie, you're a snotty punk. Yes, Keenum's QBR before this season has not been great, but he's better this season than Teddy was in 2014 and 15. You think to seem or you seem to think replacing Keenum with Bridgewater is a no-brainer. He goes on. Well, that's not true. He hasn't listened all week, but that's fine. Well, snotty punk. Snotty punk. You know what? I'm going to play this intro. While I do that, Phil, why don't you check the latest tweet from Pat Royce? Okay, do that oh for me. Okay. <laughs> Rating things on a scale of Wait, doesn't everyone use 1 to 10? And whatever it is, Mackie and Judd are evaluating on a scale of on 1500 ESPN. Got it yet, Phil? Internet's being kind of slow here. Nah, I don't think it's the internet's problem. I was informed by the elder statesman here earlier this morning that after your little tirade last night pulling tweets from two years ago, you were blocked by Patrick Royce. (laughs) Yep, there it is. In other words, you are blocked from following Patrick Royce in viewing Royce's tweets. He thinks you're a snotty punk as well. So let's figure it out. On a scale of one to the climax of Justin Bieber, Bieber's snotty punkhood, how much of a snotty punk is Phil Mackey? Oh, that's great. I can't even go back now. I was going to spend the last segment reading Patrick Royce tweets about Patino from three years ago. Yeah, I could because I, I haven't been blocked. Now. Could you, Judge? Oh, I'm not blocked. Are yeah. you kidding? I'm not blocked. That loves us. You're a Saturday morning co-host. He wouldn't block me. He loves no. me. Yeah, they're all gone now. Here's why. Here's why he blocked me. So that the world can't like, see his like inept, uninformed Richard Patino tweets over the past five years. Unwarranted criticism of one of the top young college basketball coaches in the country. That's right. Scale. Uh, you so dug Bieber, the grave, Pat. Bieber is the worst? Scale of one to Bieber at his prime. 
Um, I would say. I, mean, I don't even have any like back tattoos yet, so I would say. <laughs> Nor do I drive my Ferrari a hundred miles an hour in Keyshawn Johnson's neighborhood. I would say Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana stage. Oh, that's my. about where Phil lands right now. Oh, that's about where Phil lands right now. I think. Was just like just as she's breaking out of Hannah Montana. Yeah, too? yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. Oh boy. Yep, a little Disney for you. I That's to, tough. I need to screenshot this from Royce here. Uh, yeah, you know, I this. this what would takes you say, me, Dave? I mean, hold on. This let, let me interject here. This takes me back to when Royce and I were were paired together in 2010. Now, almost almost eight years ago. What do you do? A show about uh, six months together? Or what? Four years a year. Did it last a year? Uh, so I remember when they paired us up, my first thought was, I feel like I might have been critical of Pat on Twitter before we met each other. And so I went back to the early stages of my Twitter account and I had to delete it's the only tweet that I've ever like gone back in time and deleted. And it was, I'm paraphrasing, it was like Patrick Royce is a blowhard, you know, blah, 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 criticizing him. But I didn't tag him in the tweet. So oh, that's too bad. Me. So he didn't know. But um, So, Dave, your thoughts on, on where Phil would rank? What do you think? Well, I'm, I am I ask the questions. I don't, I don't answer no, the questions. No, but he really can't so. answer the, he can't really answer the question himself. So I think Oh, I bet only, he could. I'm sure he's been told many times how much then? of a snotty punk he is. Well, we did have State Fair t-shirts made that said punk on the front and Mackie on when the back. When do you so. lose the ability to be called a punk? Because you're 30, what now? Uh, 32. I think I think 29 years old is kind of that cutoff. Okay. Can I say something? Patrick Royce prides himself on being the most thick-skinned media member in town. Teflon, right? Yes. I can dish it out. You can bring it on. He always tells stories about how thick-skinned he is. And I go back in time and find four or five Richard Patino go for basketball tweets from 2014-15 about how garbage Patino is. And I retweet them for the world to see. And that gets me blocked. Well, you've upset the whole ride. Thick-skinned Patrick wow. Royce. Royce's upset with you. Reaver's upset. Yes. Very upset. Going to take on Manny next? Yeah, what's going to go? Yeah, exactly what? Well, you know, if we break quick enough here, I can read you the Reaver's tweets from a few years ago. Unless he blocks me during the commercial I think break. we should bring Pat in and get him to tell us exactly what no. what's going to get Phil unblocked. Uh, I'm going to block Patrick Royce in person, so you're not going to be able to do that. They need it now. Mackie and Judd now continue. They want it now. On 1500. Get it on. ESPN. Want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Join Judd at Lucky's 13 in Bloomington from 3 to 5 this Saturday for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis. Toss, bass, uh, toss back an ice cold one and register to win that new TV. Put game day over everything this college football season with Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. More details at 1500ESPN.com. See, I feel like it was my civic duty to go back and highlight the flaw in our process as gopher football and basketball fans and followers throughout the years. We set unexpected or, or impossible expectations. We set the bar too high. We criticize too early. We call for heads too early. And if it wasn't for a $7 million buyout protecting Richard Pitino, you wouldn't have had the NCAA tournament run last year. You wouldn't have a top 15 team right now. And I merely went back and it's, found, just to hold our coworkers accountable, you were I went back and found some Reavers and Royce tweets just you, to hold everyone accountable. You are okay? looking to put the knife in and twist it. Just admit it. First of all, let's not call it a tournament run from last year. One, no, a run, one and done doesn't run, quite count. A run to the tournament. A run to the tournament. Okay. 
Can you admit that you gleefully did that last night because you saw an opportunity to pile on a lot of spite? While it's, yeah, exactly. While while the team is playing well, Listen. I mean, I think we should cut. <laughs> I think we should cut the BS out. This show does not like BS, and we should admit that what you did was done with spite, a bit of hatred, Malice. and probably a couple cocktails. No cocktails at all. Not on a weeknight like that. Unless it's a Thursday, or maybe a Wednesday, or a Friday. Reavers Other than that, morning. maybe a Sunday. Or Tuesday. Uh, Reavers tweeted, <laughs> no, no Monday not drinking. on a Monday. Not Monday drinking, <laughs> damn it. Unless the Vikings are playing, then, then you know, maybe I mean, a couple. Yeah. Yep, maybe a couple. Uh, you know, I, for example, if I wanted to, to really dig the knife in, which, you know... I'm a noble stand-up guy, so I would never... Yo, no, you'd never do that. You know, I would never read the Reavers tweet from January 9th of 2016, which he said, this is a product people used to care about. Used to be an event. Richard Pitino has turned anger into apathy. Nobody cares about gopher basketball. He might have been sober for that one, considering the big words he used. Um, or like, <laughs> like this... basketball? This like tweet, apathy. This tweet from later on that same day. Fine, I will be the first media member to call yeah, for Richard Pitino's head. He should be fired. This team couldn't compete in the Mayak. Okay. <laughs> that was... Well, Pat would know about that, though. Those two could discuss <laughs> right, that. I'm that's right. a good point. That, that second one from Chris... I was just Chris, trying to hold everyone accountable. That second one from Chris was three IPAs in, no question. Oh, hell yeah. That was three... The first one, I think, was... was Zero IPAs. The second one was three IPAs. How about this one? Down the uh, from Reavers. If Richard Patino from two years ago, if Richard Patino's last name weren't uh, were Munson or Bertisman, there would be no more public outcry. He can't coach. Who's Bertisman? Period. Who's Bertisman? I'm not sure. I think it might just be a made up name. Oh, I know, but like Listen, Bertisman. I love Chris. I love Pat. We have accountability sessions on our show. If other shows aren't comfortable with the accountability session, I can't help you. Grow some thicker skin. Why don't you? Why don't you admit that you were just piling on? Come on, just admit you were piling on. I am the just a- accountability take police force, and I was out last night roaming around Twitter. This is such a bunch of garbage. Blocked on Twitter by Patrick Royce. You should wow. be proud of this. That's really? a badge of honor. Absolutely, yeah. it is. I'm going to blo- join a long list. <laughs> I'm going to block him in person by ignoring him in the hallways until he oh, no. brings me back oh, on Twitter. Oh no, not that yeah. for Royce. He's going to be very upset. <laughs> Phil! Phil! Yeah, he probably doesn't want to talk to me, does he? <laughs> He'd be prefer if I ignored him. He might be happy about it. He might be right. All right. That's cool. Target's over tomorrow. We are the thick-skinned capital of Twin Cities Sports Talk Radio. Right here, the Mackie and Judd Show. 9 o'clock to 1 o'clock. Get in or get out, baby. Target Center tomorrow. Tell the people. We are at Target Center tomorrow. Talk some wolves. We'll have some special guests on. We'll be in the middle of the Target Center slash Mayo Clinic Skyway. So come come stare at us through the glass. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well.
And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.